We're going to start off our show today by continuing our coverage of the aftermath of what took place in Washington, D.C. on January the 6th when the U.S. Capitol was overrun. Also, there is now the threat of more violence at all 50 state capitals by Trump supporters, which include white supremacists, Christian nationalists, members of law enforcement, and the U.S. military. And we're also going to talk about uh, some reaction to super spreader events um, held by Christian nationalist Sean Foyt uh, in Southern California, as well as uh, some events marking the Martin Luther King Day weekend. But we're going to start off our coverage uh, before we welcome our guests with a clip from CNN about Two Americas. If black people had rushed the Capitol in the same way that we saw, there would have been a bloody massacre. I think what the events of this week have shown us is that there have always been multiple Americas. The way the insurrectionists were treated by the police, they were literally coddled. They were literally given permission and a kind of white privileged opportunity to trash our Capitol. In some ways, it sets a reality for where we are as a country. I think you hear so many times when you see events like this, oh, this is not who we are as a country. This is not who we are. Well, at some point, after you've said that over and over again, maybe it's time to acknowledge this is who we are as a country, and we can now start from this point to move forward. You know, for so many of us in this country, we know what it is to be treated differently. And we also know what it is to be told that all of the things that we experience every single day don't exist, or that if they do exist, that it's our own fault, that we somehow created the conditions of inequality. No one can tell me that if had been a group of Black Lives Matter protesting yesterday, there wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been treated very, very differently. The difference between treatment of white insurrectionists versus Black Lives Matter protesters. It's not merely a matter of white privilege on the back end. It's a matter of white supremacy on the front end. I tweeted the comparison between the way the insurrectionists were treated in the nation's capital and the way NAACP protests were treated when we protested in a senator's office in Mobile, Alabama. We were cuffed, ultimately put into jail, and had to go to court in order to secure our liberty. What we saw unfold at the Capitol was not just hypocrisy, it was a manifestation of power that has been entrenched since the beginning of this nation. So much of what I saw was dismay and disbelief from my neighbors and people in my community, people who I do political work with, but a lot of those people were white. And I have to say that um, this no this way, as if it was an aberration or an anomaly, is only news to people for whom the rigged rules in this country don't apply to. When my team and I were in Minneapolis, we were handcuffed for much less than people literally breaking into the United States Capitol. And when you put those images side by side, you can't help but notice a huge, a huge difference in disparity. These people clearly are emboldened. Uh, They don't feel any urgency to move. And the real question here, Jake, is when is law enforcement going to show up in force 
to try to get these people out. So when you look at the images of people running around the Capitol with blatantly racist signs and affiliations and the symbolism of seeing someone walk through the United States Capitol with a Confederate flag, again, seemingly untouched by law enforcement, at the very least sends a message to the black community that your protests and your needs are going to be met with more pushback than what we saw as domestic terrorism in our United States Capitol. The insurrectionists marched not into Mobile, Alabama, but into the nation's capital. They trashed the capital, they vandalized the capital, and literally, out of hundreds and hundreds of people who stormed the capital, a little over 50 were arrested hours after. With all the work that many felt was done after the summer of 2020 on the lives, unfortunately, of people like Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and at least the shooting of Jacob Blake, there's still more work to be done. In order for us to get to the America that we long for, the America that we hope for, the America that we imagine in our minds, it's quite critical that we begin to undo those rigged rules that allow some people to operate with impunity and other people to be punished simply for breathing. All righty, there you go. And I'd like to uh, welcome our guests. I'd like to uh, welcome Dr. Najuma Smith-Pollard, Program Manager of the University of Southern California, Cecil Murray Center for Community Engagement. She is also a pastor and author, life coach, radio personality, and community activist. Reverend Dr. Najuma Smith-Pollard, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. It is such an uh, honor to be here with you this morning. Thank you so very much for having me. I'd also like to welcome the Reverend Calvin Souls, born and raised in Johannesburg, South Africa. Um, he has spent um, several decades, it seems, of ordained ministry. He has served both local churches and general agencies in the United Methodist Church. He was the senior pastor for many years of Holman United Methodist Church. He is part of Clergy for Black Lives. Reverend Calvin Souls, welcome. Margaret, it's so good to be with you. All righty. Let's start out first off uh, by getting your reaction. Um, uh, Reverend Smith Pollard, we'll start with you to what you heard in that clip and, and the, the, the two Americas, your reaction to what happened, but also the ongoing threats because there were some people also beat up uh, by Trump supporters, uh, two black people, by in, in downtown Los Angeles, Reverend Smith Pollard. Yes, thank you. Uh, my initial reaction was not one of shock. I think, by and large, especially when you talk about African American leadership, those who are fully engaged in civic engagement and community work, we were not surprised by the attack, appalled but not surprised, because white supremacy is always fought very hard to maintain power. And what we do know that this election was a sign that there's a shifting in power on, a, on several different fronts. And so white supremacy has always been willing to kill and assassinate, murder, destroy people, buildings, communities to maintain power. We see that historically in communities that were thriving where white supremacists, Klan members, 
were willing to burn down entire communities so that those that they deemed unworthy of a good life or a prosperous life would not ascend or gain any power. So we weren't surprised, appalled, but not surprised. And the right, ongoing and, and threats. Uh-huh. Carry on. And, I was gonna say, and, and the ongoing threats, similarly, are not a surprise. They're appalling. And that's why you have faith leaders, community leaders, activists across this nation giving redress, calling on our leadership to do what needs to be done. We're just beginning with the impeachment of Donald Trump and then, you know, on down the line. Right. And, and Reverend Calvin Saltz, I mean, born and raised in South Africa, you had to face down and, and uh, fight against apartheid. And now here you are in the United States doing the kind of uh, community justice work that you are. Your reaction to what happened and to the ongoing threat? Yes. Uh, uh, you know, Reverend uh, Smith Pollard used the word appalling. I want to use the word affirmation. Uh, I think what happened, you know, on the U.S. Capitol was an affirmation, you know, of how uh, in so many ways, you know, um, you know, white evangelicals engage in an assault with a deadly religion, uh, because that is the, you know, uh, Christianity that we saw displayed there. Uh, that was the Christianity that we experienced in South Africa uh, under apartheid, really this fusion you know, uh, all an ideology of white supremacy and a theology of white supremacy. So we ought to be clear uh, that this movement, you know, uh, that is, you know, uh, about um, uh, white supremacy is also a religious movement, and it has manipulated, uh, it has um, um, uh, in so many ways, you know, conquered, you know, uh, Christianity you know, to facilitate, you know, just this ideology, you know, of anti-blackness, this ideology of anti-Semitism, this ideology of racism, you know, uh, that uh, has become their worldview, you know, uh, around, you know, nationalism, you know, uh, and just uh, many, many ways of othering, you know, uh, people of color uh, in so many ways. So, so that's, that's, you know, uh, uh, seen this before. I mean, when we were negotiating, for instance, you know, uh, the democratic constitution uh, for South Africa to uh, finally arrive at a multiracial democracy in South Africa, there was also uh, a storming of the convention center by, you know, uh, uh, white, uh, uh, you know, evangelicals, you know, uh, to stop that process. Uh, from moving forward, the the the, the Afrikaner Western, you know, uh, 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 that movement, you know. Uh, so what I saw, you know, uh, on January the sixth, was just, you know, uh, what I saw in South Africa as well. But Margaret, let's not let's be clear, you know, uh, this is not the first time that something like this uh, happened. Uh, uh, in 1878, in Wilmington, North Carolina, there was actually a successful you know, uh, insurrection that took place, you know, uh, because of a multiracial coalition that was built there by both, you know, uh, elected officials, you know, uh, in that thriving, you know, black community of Wilmington, you know, North Carolina. So, uh, um, uh, so basically, you know, what happened on January the 6th was an assault 
with a deadly religion. Right, and uh, Reverend uh, Smith uh, Pollard, I mean, certainly uh, Pastor Souls um, referred to the phrase assault with a deadly religion. One can go back to um, the time of the Crusades. You could go back to the conquest of the Americas um, where and the papal bulls that basically justified the um, genocide against indigenous people and also justified the enslavement of people um, of, from the continent of African descent. Uh, and, you know, the Poor People's Campaign talks about the distorted moral narrative. And Reverend Smith yes. Pollard, it does seem as though there really is a great um, rupture or a fight or split going on among um, people who consider themselves Christians today because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the other thing that happened recently is this Christian nationalist, Sean Foyt, uh, descended yeah. on L.A. And, and passed a queue of the church with open walls, talked about him assaulting Skid Row, an overwhelmingly black community, with a deadly yeah. virus because they yeah. they resist any virus restrictions. They don't wear masks. Uh, and yeah. they were coming into Skid Row, laying their hands on, on people. And now COVID-19 has spiked in Skid Row. Um, yeah. Reverend Smith Pollard. Yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna actually quote Pastor Q. It, it, he didn't write it, but he said it in one of his live streams. He says, "You can't save people and kill people at the same time." And so, when you are the what Sean Foyt posted um, and led um, is is you know all in the name of Jesus, all in the name of religion and salvation. You cannot some, come to me with your religion. So I think, I think the term deadly religion is far beyond appropriate because you can't come to me and say, I want to save you, but I'm also giving you something that'll kill you. Or I could potentially give you something that'll kill you. And again, this is not anything new. This is a, a remix of what colonizers have done. This is a remix of what white supremacists has, have done. This is a remix of what racism does in our nation and around the world. And so these are not new activities. They are remixes. And Sean Foyt was under the impression that he could come to downtown L.A. here in Skid Row, where we fight continuously to keep our brothers and sisters safe and alive, that he was going yeah. to bring his deadly religion down here for free. And Absolutely. And Pastor Souls, um, we just literally have a, a few minutes left, and we know there are two things. I mean, apparently, LA City Council on Wednesday uh, moved to, uh, according to the LA Times, ramp up enforcement of requirements that people wear masks in public to reduce the spread of coronavirus. You think they would have done that before Sean Foyt descended on us. But I just want to, you to quickly share with our audience um, the plans for clergy for black lives uh, for this coming Martin Luther King weekend, because you have an important event happening this Sunday. Please tell us about that before we have to wrap up. Yes, looking forward to it. Thanks, Martha. Let me just quickly say that uh, we have, because I, I think we have to say something about the response of law enforcement. We have to just be clear that we cannot. Disparity in law enforcement is a threat to democracy. We cannot treat you know, uh, um, white violence as protest and black protest as violence. As violence. Mm -hmm. That's very, exactly. very important because we've seen that. Uh, we're coming together as Clergy for Black Lives, you know, uh, on uh, Sunday uh, to engage in what we call the radical king. 
Uh, it is part of our commitment to engage in sacred resistance, you know, uh, to really look at the life and legacy of Dr. King from a radical uh, perspective, that perspective that is about a spirituality of mutuality grounded uh, in, you know, uh, uh, racial justice and racial equity, and uh, uh, that is about the politics of love. Uh, that's why I wear a mask, because it is about love. I love myself and I love my neighbor. You know, uh, exactly. so we're coming together and we're going to look at the life and legacy of Dr. King. You know, uh, 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 we're going to start off in Skid Row, you know, uh, that morning. Um, and, and then from there, we're going to do a car caravan from Skid Row to Lamert Park to connect, you know, uh, these two communities. Uh, we have uh, uh, awesome and exciting speakers that are going to focus on different aspects of uh, Dr. King. We're going to focus on, you know, uh, Dr. King uh, and the, uh, uh, the arts and the culture and, and how that was, you know, utilized. Uh, what would Dr. King say right now to what's happening? We're going to look at Dr. King and poverty and the Poor People's Campaign. Uh, look at Dr. King and prophetic black women. You know, uh, look at Dr. King in a global context. Uh, Dr. King... Uh, connecting uh, uh, who he was with Black Lives Matter, Dr. King and mass incarceration, uh, medical apartheid. So we're going to just really uh, connect, you know, uh, and amplify the radical King because in so many ways, Margaret, what we see happening in our culture and in our society is a sanitized, a watered-down version of Dr. King. You know, right. uh, he was an inconvenient hero, as you know. Uh, and the reason for that is because he uh, had the boldness to speak truth to power, you know, uh, in love. And so that's what we're looking forward to on uh, on Sunday to kick off, you know, uh, the King the King Week. And that's uh, we right. have awesome speakers, you know, uh, to uh, to join in with us. Okay, I'm afraid we're out of time. We are going to have to end it there. But for people who want to get uh, information about it, the L.A. Community Action Network, their um, Facebook page, website, I'm sure, has information on it as well. We're also posting information on Radical King. It's the right time to do the right thing. Clergy for Black Lives with SCLC and Health Matters, they're going to be doing some COVID testing, health screening, PPE supply giveaway, and much more down in Skid Row, uh, starting at 11 in the morning, leaving for Lamert Park at 1.30 p.m. Uh, well, Dr. Najim, uh, Najuma Smith-Pollard, Pastor Calvin Souls, thank both of you so very much for your thank work you. and for joining us today. Thank you so, thank very you so much. much for having us. Thanks so much, Margaret. Take care. All righty.